Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. So finally, uh, why am I doing the announcements? Well, that's because we're actually doing, we're celebrating celebrating something really exciting in our church life. And that is that as of whatever, 1130 today, our pastor Nate and his family are going on sabbatical. And we're going to dive into a little bit about what that is in the message. So I won't spoil it here. Spoiler alerts, you have to stick around for that. Um, But essentially what we need to know now is it's a way It's woven into scripture. It's woven into the story of God's people going all the way back to really Genesis. And again, we'll dive into all of that. But it's a way that we as the church um, can bless our pastor and his family. It's a season of restoration. It's a season of, again, as we're singing, breathing in God's spirit. Um, If if you're new to the church or you haven't really been involved in ministry, Obviously, it's a picnic. It's a cakewalk. It's no, <laughs> it is not. It is. It is. Um, it just requires so much mental and emotional and spiritual um, labor. And we want to provide a season for our pastor to just reignite that spark and reignite that passion. See God's vision, um, and it's something we're excited to send him off to. Um, and so, with that spirit, we're going to invite um, Paul up. And he's going to lead all of us in a prayer. And we're also going to invite our pastor, Nate, and his family, Katie, and the girls up. And we are all going to pray for them as a community. Good morning. Uh, my name is Paul May, and I'm one of the board members here at Grace and Peace. And we've got uh, Tiffany and, and Raina. If you guys want to also come up. Yep. And so as, as Matt was saying, you know, uh, I don't want to call being a pastor work because it's not a nine to five job. Um, it's a calling. I've known Nate for oof, <laughs> close to 18 years, probably almost 20 years. And um, I've watched him in, in his ministry as, as he's uh, matured. And, and uh, I saw the calling that he had when he originally had this calling to start Grace and Peace. And um, traditionally, there's a there's a, I'll let him get into that when when he goes into that. Um, but what we want to do is, as a church family, we want to be able to pray over him and and send them out to get refreshed and get just renewed in the spirit of God and and in the uh, in the love that God has for him and his family in this calling that he's answered to become a, a pastor here at Grace and Peace. So. I'm going to call Nate and, and the family up. <laughs> Nate and Katie and Malia and Kai. And so on the screen here, we're going to have, um, we're going to do a prayer, and there will be an all section in that prayer, and there will be a, um, it'll say one, and that'll be me blabbering up here on the mic. But <laughs> So what I want to invite you to do is um, I'm going to, if we can start by all of us, where you see the all section, if we can just kind of uh, pray over them together as a church. We want to be able to, to send them off and, and pray for them as a community of grace and peace and just really just, um, just let them feel the love that we have for them and the refreshing that we want them to have in this time as they go forth. So 
Um, let's see if I can see this. I'm going to put my glasses on because they're on my head. All right, please join me. We bring before you, Holy One, our brother in Christ and pastor, our pastor and friend. We send him on sabbatical with our earnest prayers, asking your blessing upon him and upon his congregation that he serves it. May this sabbatical be for Nate, a time of adventure and discovery. May his travels introduce him to people and places new to him, but, but known to you, Lord. Guide his steps, O God. May he know your accompanying presence on each journey and find you waiting for him, welcoming him at each destination. May Nate enjoy in these weeks away a release from responsibilities. That's where we all come in. Okay. A childlike curiosity and a thorough refreshment of body, mind, and spirit, Lord. Come to me, says Christ, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Grant to him, gracious God, times of reading, times of play, times of deep com- contemplation, of rich conversation, of both leisurely dreaming and focused reflection, and enable him to gaze and wonder at the beauty of your creation, Lord. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you make them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Hear your servant when he prays to you, holy God. Help him to worship you freely, whether in multitude or in solitude, joy or sorrow, in strength or in weakness. Watch over him, Lord, and draw him close to yourself. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. I will sing of loyalty and of justice to you, O Lord. I will sing. Go out in joy and be led forward in peace. God below you, God before you, and God behind you. God, everywhere you turn and within you. Amen. Well, I appreciate it. Um, appreciate all the, the prayers and support and um, the board and all their hard work in figuring out what sabbatical looks like with me and what it looks like to journey into a season of sabbatical. And uh, I've never done this. And as Paul pointed out, um, been in ministry for... It's been 18 years since I started and never took a sabbatical, and so it's totally new to me, and I'm learning all about it. Uh, But as I mentioned last week, it's one of those things that I'm learning from pastors who have gone before me that model what it looks like to do ministry 20, 30, 40 years, and what it looks like to do that with consistency, to do that with faithfulness, and, um, and so I'm just kind of going after their footsteps and what they do and what they model what it looks like to have healthy leadership. And so um, I'm making it a priority. And the church board said, we'll make it a priority. And, uh, and many of you have agreed with that and supported that. And so thank you for that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what that looks like. We'll dismiss the kids. I think you guys are going to their study and doing their thing. And uh, we're going to dig in, and what I want to do is 
give us a some working definitions of Sabbath, because sabbatical comes out of Sabbath. It's not um, something new, something else that's been shaped into um, <clears throat> what the church is doing. It's, it comes out of Sabbath. And I don't know if you guys have seen the theme. Matt did a beautiful job of leading us in worship and these ideas and these concepts and these um, beautiful truths that Scripture gives us uh, of what it looks like to rest in God's presence, that what we find in our relationship with God is that there is rest, that it's not meant to be something that is taxing, that is super challenging and difficult. Um, there will be seasons of that. There are difficult areas that need uprooting in our lives, but really our time with God is supposed to be rest. Um, it's supposed to be a life-giving thing. And so um, what I want to do is kind of give a little bit of a background on what it is. Um, I'm titling this, Put Down What You Are Carrying. Um, because this isn't really about me, it's about us talking about Sabbath and what it looks like in our daily lives for all of us. And, um, and so uh, this, this idea of rest, uh, obviously, um, is a beautiful concept that I want to just unpack and begin to see where it comes from in Scripture and really uh, dig into it. Last week, we uh, celebrated Easter, and I loved celebrating with all of you and many others that came and joined us and some visitors and stuff. And so um, had a really good time celebrating, and we got into this idea that the rhythm that Jesus invites us into, even though Easter is this massive celebration that we have, and the resurrection is this beautiful celebration, when he sat with his disciples, it was kind of like a, uh, I don't know, it was a bit of a downer, right? Like he comes, and you'd expect like heavens to open up and everything go crazy, and he's just going to transform all the world instantly, but it was this like he went met with the disciples, and he sits with them on a shoreline eating fish around a fire, right? And it seems very mundane. It seems very, like, normal, right? Uh, And what we see modeled in Jesus and what he teaches and what he does in that conversation with his disciples, and especially one of them, Peter, um, is he, he teaches them, basically. He says, what's most important is the fact that I love you. And he asks this question of, do you love me? And he begins to have this conversation about really where his loyalties lie, right? Because Peter had let down Jesus. He had um, turned his back on him, basically. And what Jesus does in that moment is reinstates him, says, I love you, I care for you. Regardless of what you've done in the past, I love you deeply. Do you love me? And I think he asks us that question today um, of, do we love him? And I think this love relationship that we have with him um, is that distracting, like the, the speaker? Are we good? Okay, you guys good? Um, the, the, uh, I think the relationship that we have with him that comes out of love shapes how we live our lives. And then, we, so this is the Christian life. This is the, the call that's put on us is to begin to transform the way that we live, the things that we prioritize, the areas that we really focus in on with our lives. And so... This biblical concept of Sabbath is one of those things that Jesus invites his disciples to do, right? And one of the things he said to his disciples was, if you follow me, you have to follow my commands. You begin to like take on these teachings. You take on this way of life, this way of living, and it's very, very countercultural. Um, I threw a slide in there that said, Sabbath is countercultural, and this idea of rest doesn't it's not, a, it's not commonly accepted as something that um, you prioritize in your life, right? Um, and so this idea of 
being obedient and following Jesus in his commands, if we look at the Sermon on the Mount, what he follows the end of it up with, after all of his teachings, he says, practice, put into practice these things that I've taught you. And so as disciples, that's what we do, and that's why we gather together on a Sunday to study this and during the week uh, in our conversations is to continue to grow and develop in what it means to really just be obedient to what, it, uh, what he's calling us to. And so what I want to do is give a little background on Sabbath, and I want to show you guys this four-minute-long video by Pro, uh, Bible Project that does a really good job of summing up really where Sabbath comes from when we look at it in Scripture and what it's meant to be. All right, let's check this out. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power, and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness, where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and he liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest, called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled, 
and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come. But generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh day rest would come through him. Right. He said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness and all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet Jesus was killed. So even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh, wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him. Or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. True rest that comes from Jesus. When we talk about Sabbath, let's talk about why we need it. Um, this is one of those foreign concepts that now you have the background in in Scripture that it comes all the way from the beginning um, that is so countercultural that I think we need to talk about why. Um, there was a lunar eclipse in 2017, I believe it was, and Matt pointed out that uh, in our uh, sermon prep that there was an article that came out that demonstrated the exact dollar amount, or rough dollar amount, I should say, um, of how much it costs when everybody took that half hour or an hour break to go watch the, lun- the solar eclipse, right? Um, $694 million. We lost $694 million during that one hour because everybody quit working. We have a number to signify the loss of productivity in our culture because people wanted to check out how beautiful nature was. Do you guys see the the kind of distorted view we have, right? That we view our culture as, or our people as people that are strictly for productivity. And if we don't make this 694 million during this half hour or hour, oh man, where is the world going to be, right? What Sabbath says is that we go, it doesn't matter. People got to enjoy the beauty of that moment and see what was going on around us. And so when we talk about Sabbath, I think there's a pressure, right? We live in a culture that's considered a hustle culture, right? A culture that says you got to work hard and just be tenacious and do whatever it takes to get to the top. And, oh, man... Sure, if making lots of money at the cost of physical health, mental health, 
relationships that are quality, deep, meaningful relationships, then sure, I think hustle culture should just keep going on. But I think some of you disagree with that. I think some of you would say that relationships are a priority, that your mental health is a priority, that your physical well-being is a priority, right? Because I wanted to get into all the stats on what stress does to our bodies, but I think you guys all know that, right? We all know what stress does to our bodies. It's why my hair is turning gray um, and why I'm probably bald. Um, But stress and the pressures of this culture that says just go, 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 I think understands that Sabbath, that rest is needed, that is good, that it's, it's what we desire, but we don't want to look weak, right? In front of other people, we want to look as productive as possible and as meaningful as possible. And maybe there's some pride woven in of like, I want people to depend on me and make sure that I'm meaningful, that I have purpose in this life. But our purpose and our meaning shouldn't come from others, right? It should come from God. And so I want to unpack this a little bit more, that our identity shouldn't be wrapped up so much in what we produce and who we are, we think we are, but it should be wrapped up in one thing. And hopefully I can make that clear as we talk about this. Dallas Willard, when he talks about what Sabbath looks like, he says, do nothing. Don't try to make anything happen. So if you want to define Sabbath and what that looks like. Maybe that's an oversimplification of it, but I think when we talk about Sabbath, it's, it's not trying to be anything, be anyone to anyone or to ourselves. It's resting. It's saying things are going to be okay. God is in control. He's powerful. He's bigger than all of this, and he's capable of handling the day-to-day stuff. Sure, we have to do our job. Sure, we have to be responsible and do the things that we're called to, Right? But when it comes to rest, it's one of those things that we just kind of throw to the side. And we say, well, you know, we, we have our rest in Jesus daily, right? We don't really need to have a day, a week that we really, really hone in on rest. Um, but let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, so I enjoy backpacking. Uh, I haven't been in many years, and I plan on going on my sabbatical. Um, and how, raise your hand if you've been backpacking before, like where you've gone a, at least a day into the wilderness, right? And you had to pack all of what you needed to survive in the wilderness in one pack. Um, what I did here is I threw together uh, that pack real quickly here and um, threw some of the things that I have in there. And it's so heavy right now. It is ridiculously heavy. I would not want to go backpacking with this right now um, just because I feel weak. But um, what I... What I threw in here was coming kind of some of the, the necessities, okay? So food, this is one of the things that you really need. Um, you need a stove, and it's interesting that the food becomes dehydrated as you go backpacking because you want it to be lightweight. The first trip I did, I took cans with me. You imagine how heavy that was? Um, and then I discovered that there's these dehydrated kind of like uh, space food things that you can cook in this. And... This right here, this little red part, is my stove. Can you imagine that? Like you picture your stove in your house and how much you got going on there. This is my stove and this is my pot to cook in. And there's gas in here, little gas canister. Everything right here, super lightweight. It's pretty amazing. Um, trying, to, trying to minimize as much weight as I possibly can. This is generally the dry bag because if it rains or whatever, you don't want to get your gear all soaked. And so this is a dry bag that has... Uh, the extra clothes that I need, and so I throw that in there. 
Um, and then generally down here in this compartment is, yeah, there it is, uh, is my back or my sleeping bag. And this is a, a zero degree bag, so I can sleep in really, really cold weather. And it condenses down into this little thing. And then um, there's a few other things that I threw in here. Oh, easy. A 10 pound weight, generally, going a backpacking trip. Oh, hey, another one. Look at that. Um, some weights. Uh, those don't really belong in there, do they? One thing uh, doesn't belong, everything else belongs. One of the things I believe happens when we go on this journey of life is we take on some things that we think are super necessary um, for survival, for thriving, for enjoying the wilderness to be out there and go backpacking. There's some other things that sometimes end up in our pack that shouldn't end up in there. And two 10-pound weights don't sound fun to hike around with. The rest of this stuff ends up pretty light. Um, generally, I get it around 25 pounds, which is super light. Um, and, uh, and you try not to take excess. So the excess weight, what does that do for you? Nothing, right? It's nothing for that journey. It may be great when you're working out at home, but you don't need that with you. You're already doing some strenuous activity, right? Um, I believe there are things in our lives that we weave into our lives that we think are really good for us that are actually not good for the journey. And when we talk about rest and when we talk about Sabbath, I think it's one of those things that we leave out of our pack. It's one of those things that we leave out of the journey and we fill it with other stuff. And so all those things I listed when we talk about hustle culture and we talk about being busy and super productive and all these things, I think sometimes those are the weights that we put in our pack that we think we have to have, yet all they do is bring us down. All they do is make the journey that much harder, that much more strenuous. Sure, could I take two 10-pound weights with me? Probably. I could probably carry those with me, but will I come back... Uh, enjoying the fact that I carried 20 extra pounds with me the rest of the time? No. And I think that that is life. And I think that that is where we are at and what we need to understand when we talk about Sabbath. That these aren't just biblical truths that we watched in that video that God has given us uh, to experience life to the full um, just as an option. I think there are things that we need. I would not leave without food, right? I would not leave without my sleeping bag because I'd be freezing cold. Um, it would not be an enjoyable journey. And I think that Sabbath is one of those things that we need to incorporate in our lives. And hopefully I can convince you of this because I'm still convincing myself of this because I selfishly weave in parts of my life where I ignore Sabbath, which is crazy to think about it. Like if I told you that I ignored one of the other Ten Commandments, you'd be like, uh, you did what with someone else's wife? Like <laughs> you stole what? Like, but then if I say, hey, I didn't Sabbath last week, you'd be like, that's cool. No big deal. I didn't either. Right? So Ten Commandments are, like, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's kind of a serious thing that God says, this is rest. This is good for your soul. The same reason those other things in the Ten Commandments aren't good for you. They're not life-giving. They're not going to help you thrive. They're extra weight that are just going to, it's not good for the journey. And I hope that your journey is well. That's why we come here to sit together and worship and talk about what God is doing, right? So, um, when we talk about really like this response that we are called to worship with our lives, that we are called to be disciples of Jesus, and, and sometimes that word disciple can get a little confusing, um, and maybe it's more apprentices of Jesus. And so if I'm learning from Jesus how to backpack, 
He doesn't have these weights with him, right? If I'm learning from Jesus how to backpack, he's not going to teach me to bring extra weight along. He's going to say the sleeping bag is necessary, the food is necessary, the stove is necessary, but weights, you can leave those. And I think that's discipleship. That's following Jesus, is learning from Jesus how to live life the way that he designed it to be lived. How to go on this journey the way that he invites us to live this journey in a way that is fruitful and productive um, and beautiful, um, life-giving. And so, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And we can get into that whole analogy in that story, but really, I think we all understand that there's wisdom in practicing the things that Jesus calls us to. Um, I, think, I don't think I have to convince us that rest is good. We know that rest is good, but what I do have to convince us is that making that a priority, making it a practice, a spiritual discipline of who we are as believers, that's the hard part, right? That's the difficult part um, because we have to push against a lot of these, these things that we think are so good for us. Um, and so uh, Philippians 4 also says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I think it's interesting that Paul uses that word peace, that as you begin to put into practice these ways of Jesus, as you begin to study scripture, and as you begin to follow the teachings of Jesus, you begin to see that there's peace that takes place. The God of peace will be with you. It's not the God of confusion. It's not the God of extra weights in your backpack. It's not the that will hammer you until you're dead. It's the God that says, I love you, I care for you, and I want to bring peace. This shalom we heard about in the video. Shalom is this idea that uh, is an idea of wholeness when you look back into the Old Testament, when you look at the way that peace is used. Um, it's this idea of the way that God set things up to be, the way he designed your body to live that you are, you are designed to live in shalom, not only with yourself, but with God and with others. And so if you have rest, your relationship with God's going to transform. When you have rest, your relationship with yourself and your own identity and the way that you feel about who you are is going to begin to transform. And then here's the third element, is that as people interact with you, as a rested, peaceful person, that's going to transform the world that we live in, Right? Because people are going to see that. They're going to see the rest that you have and the ability to have peace in the midst of chaos. They see that your pack is lighter than theirs, and they go, why don't you have this extra 20 pounds in your pack? And you go, well, Jesus has taught me this way to live freely and lightly. And I believe that that's what it's all about. So I want to show you a couple of passages that if you have the digital bulletin, I would encourage you to open it up on your phone um, so you can look at it later. But right on the, the front page of graceandpeacechurch.org, um, you'll see there's a link to the bulletin. And I put a lot of resources that I can't get to in this sermon because there's so much to talk about when we talk about Sabbath um, and even sabbatical as well um, because I think Sabbath is kind of the root of what I'm doing as a sabbatical. Um, it's just an extended version of that. Um, but there's resources in there that I want to give you that I want you to see um, that link into what it means to rest and what it means to truly dig into this. And so a couple of the truths that we begin to see, I'm going to list out six of them here. Um, but the first thing is that there's training that happens in our lives to begin to rest. 
we have to train to rest. And I know that sounds confusing, but we need to train our bodies to say, I don't have to find my identity in producing something on this day off. Like Sabbath rest should be one day where you go, okay, I'm not in control anymore. And there's going to be a battle that initially that you'll feel guilty because you'll go, well, I should be doing all of X, Y, and Z, right? I should be doing all these things. And what happens is you begin to train your body to understand that it's okay, that God is still in control. The world is still going to keep turning without you, right? That without your productivity, the world will still continue on and everything's going to be okay. And it begins to push back on that pride that says, it's all about me. It's all about what I want and when I want it and how I do it. And it begins to transform that. So there's a training that begins to happen. And I would encourage you to check out these verses because I don't have time to get into all of them. But this one that you've already seen come up a few times is that Jesus invites us into this easy yoke. That Sabbath is learning how to live in the easy yoke that Jesus invites us into. And that comes from Matthew 11. Uh, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's that practicing part. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he uses this analogy of a yoke. And the yoke is uh, a farming term where two cattle or oxen are yoked together. And the yoke goes over their neck and they both pull together. And they're capable of performing a larger task than they could on their own. The yoke allows them to do things that they couldn't do solo. And I think that's what Jesus is inviting us in. He says, come learn from me, take on this yoke. And an interesting thing is that I found that a yoke was designed for the cow or the ox to fit comfortably, right? It was never meant to be a painful thing for the, for the animal to, to pull. Um, and, and I thought that was interesting to think through like how Jesus invites us into like this, this easy yoke, a comfortable yoke, a one that fits well, a life that fits well to how you were created to live. And so I just... Um, I thought that was interesting. And so Sabbath is this healing thing. Um, Sabbath is meant to bring joy and power, uh, unhurried grace, and, and it teaches us to learn that we need to have more of Jesus and less of ourselves, right? That Jesus is, becomes the priority in our daily life, in the daily rhythms, um, in the weekly rhythms, and less of me. And that's where I'm going to be honest that yoke is difficult for me at times as a pastor because I want to be in charge and I want to be in control and I want to have my identity wrapped up in those things. But what I'm beginning to learn is that, like, no, it's Jesus needs to be the one leading these things and not me trying to control them, not trying to coerce things or, or trying to do things differently. It's about Jesus, him being the center of everything. And so that's what sabbatical is all about and that's what Sabbath is about. And I know that, again, this sounds crazy and countercultural. I want to close with a couple of things. Our culture already understands that, and there are businesses who value this. Um, I know I'm going to go over a little bit on time, but I want to show you a couple of these things. Um, REI, maybe you're familiar with that. That's where I got a lot of my gear. They encourage uh, their employees to have time where they get away, and they have this thing called opt outside. And you get to take time, paid leave, to go and Go outside and adventure. And then Adobe, or Charles Schwab is one of the ones. I don't want to read all of them, but I just went and I got this from, I think it was Glassdoor. That's what it was. And they gave 
list, I think it was 14 companies to go work for if you want to be able to like take a sabbatical. And I was like, wow, I didn't know these companies actually did this. And um, you actually worked for Adobe, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Not so long not long enough to get this, but yeah, it is. So Adobe does it as well. And generally, as I read through them, most of them, between five and seven years of employment, you get this time off. And you'll get, some of them give a really generous amount of time that's paid. And um, yeah, and so you can read through there. And if you want to snap a photo of that, and I can post it on our, actually, I posted the link to the actual article on the digital bulletin so you guys can read it if you want to dig into it and you want to leave your job and go to one of these companies. Um, but uh, PayPal does it, Genentech, which is actually here in Oceanside. Um, they value it because they've recognized that their employees will benefit from it, that they will grow and they will begin to find value from being removed from their identity as an employee and finding life as a person. Not all of them are going to be finding their identity and purpose in God and Jesus, but they understand that it's valuable. So even a secular world sees that this is life-giving and this is good. Um, so I want to close just with a couple of things uh, on where we're going with this. But um, first of all, I just want to say, put the weight down. If there is weight in your life that you just recognize as like a heavy burden, what Jesus invites us into is to say, put that weight down. Begin to see how you can do that. And I know that you're going to have tons of questions, and others will probably raise questions um, regarding your job and where you work, and you're like, well, I don't get one yet, and all this stuff. But begin to, begin to wrestle with it and begin to see. We have to prioritize these things in our lives because the world won't. And most companies probably won't prioritize this in your life either. That's why we as a church want to model it and say we want to do this well. Not all churches, I found out, will even support sabbaticals, which is crazy. That's a biblical model that even churches are like, no, we need to be productive. We've got to keep going. And I'm like, really? Um, we need to model this as believers because I believe that the world wants to see this. And I believe that the world will see it in your lives as we live it out in a way that is life-giving, that is good, as they see you with your cup overflowing, where you're just like, I'm energized. I'm ready for life because I know that God is with me. I know that he loves me and he brings me peace. It's a God of shalom, right? Not a God of chaos. And so um, I just, I want to encourage you. If there are weights in your pack on this journey right now, put them down. Begin to see how you can begin to remove those weights and begin to allow Jesus to sort through what are the things that I need in my pack that help me and what are the things I need to get rid of. Um, and that's for each of us to figure out. We're all in different places in that journey. But I would encourage you to do that. I put a list of how to do that. Um, I'll show it to you for a flash second but I'm not going to let you sit with it. Here's a million different little ways that you can begin to do that. Kill your TV. Eliminate how much time you spend on your phone. Maybe it's get rid of your phone. I don't know. Cook a meal at home and eat it at home together with your family and friends. Um, these are all different ways that we begin to slow down. We begin to see that rest is needed, that we need our cup filled. Um, these are just ideas, okay? I put them on the website if you want to go sit with them and get some ideas, a laugh at them, whatever you want to do. Um, but Sabbath is so key. It's so crucial to being um, and experiencing the peace that God invites us into. We'll never experience that peace if we don't prioritize the ways that Jesus invites us to live. And so um, I'm going to be gone. I'm leaving after uh, this week. I'll still have staff meeting this week, but um, 
Next Sunday, I'll be gone. And Carissa, who's actually really sick right now, we need to pray over her. Um, she's the associate pastor here, and she will be the one in charge while I'm gone. And um, so for eight weeks, don't call me, call her, um, connect with her. Peyton's going to be preaching a couple weeks. Um, we have a few others that uh, actually Andy's brother, Kevin's going to be here a couple of weeks preaching. Uh, really excited about that. And then um, and uh, Will, who is another guy that's been a spiritual mentor in my life that I meet with once a month, he's actually going to be here preaching a couple of weeks. And, uh, and Chris is going to take a couple of weeks. And so that covers all of it. And so you guys are in good hands. I fully trust that. Um, it's kind of scary to do, but I believe that this is what God calls us to do and what God calls us to model as a church. And so I thank you for being a church that supports that. And, um, and so if you guys have questions or anything, direct them to Carissa. And, um, and Matt will be leading worship just as usual. Nothing, nothing else is going to change. It's just I won't be here. And, uh, and pray for me as I work through kind of that time and that identity. I've talked to pastors that say it's very difficult at times to go, but all my meaning is found in being a pastor and having this role and, um, and just working through identity things and, and just wrestling through what that looks like to be centered around Jesus is the sole thing I live for, and that's it. Um, and so uh, I covet your prayers in that and appreciate your support in all of it. And, um, and another thing that I want to point out is that sabbatical isn't just for me as the pastor, but it's also for you as a church. And here's why. What happens sometimes is that churches get dependent on one leader or a handful of leaders, and, and they think that that is what guides the church and what guides ministry, but really what guides ministry and what guides the church is Jesus, that he is the shepherd of the church. We as pastors are under shepherds, and we have to continually remind ourselves of that, that we are not the ones in control, that Jesus is the one who's in control. He is the one who has the power. His Holy Spirit is the one that moves, and it's not dependent on me. 10, 20 years, I might not even be here. Who knows? Who knows where I'll be at that point? We all need to recognize that we, as the church, are unified regardless of one individual. And so there's a learning that happens on my part as well as your part. And uh, as you guys wrestle through challenges or whatever might come up, and so I just, uh, yeah, I'm just encouraging you and thanking you for, uh, for this season and excited to see what God does through it. And so let me pray over us, and then we'll read our benediction together. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you model for us what it looks like to live life to the full, what it looks like to rest, to rest in your hands, God, to know that you are in control, to know that you are fully, fully powerful and capable of handling all the things that exist in our lives. And so we turn our lives over to you. We trust you with faith that we can take Sabbath rest each week, and we can have seasons of sabbaticals, um, and know that the world will keep turning without us, and know that we are fully uh, in your hands. And so, Lord, I just pray for your guidance, for your leading. Uh, pray for the leaders. I pray for Carissa as she will be leading these few uh, months here, Lord. And I just pray for her, uh, as, even right now, as her health um, is, is facing some challenges, Lord. And I just pray that you would renew her health, that you would give her energy, and um, and just uh, be with her. And I pray that uh, you would give her that sense of peace, Lord, in the midst of this challenge that she's facing right now with her health, Lord. And so, 
um, yeah, thank you for this day. Thank you that we have a day to rest. Thank you we have a day to be reminded of your power in, at work in our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's read this benediction together. So rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Grace and peace to you as you go into that. If you want to grab some coffee, some treats, um, dig in and feel free to hang out and meet somebody new.